0: Good morning. Good to be together. I am Nathan, I'm one of the pastors here, Bel Air Campus pastor. Welcome to everybody at all campuses. Hello, Bel Air, Edgewood, Abingdon, and right here at Mountain Road. Um, I gotta, we got to start by uh, saying that something really cool, uh, a, a kind of a neat surprise happened last night at our service. And since you can't really do the surprise thing twice sometimes, we're just going to watch a video of what took place right here last night. So everybody check out the screen for a minute. you should know, we're celebrating that our lead pastor, Ben Kacharis, has been here with his family, Carla and their kids, serving for 20 years. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, some of you already read about some surprises that the staff and the elders have done for them, but we have another one right now. And I know they're in the house, so Kacharis family, would you join us up on the stage, wherever you're sitting or hiding backstage uh, you All right, y'all come on up. Kacharis is calling you up here. Where'd you go? There they are comes Ben and Carla and Ellie, and I actually have a surprise for them, because Nate and Andrew snuck in town, and they didn't know that till right now, so here's the Kateris family, yeah, so I want to ask if you guys and everyone else would just turn your attention to the screen for just a few minutes.
1: It's very appropriate that I was asked to speak today because I know that Ben and I have at least two things in common. One, we both dislike cats and we both dislike one of the purple teams that plays on Sunday afternoon. Ben, you know I love you. I give you all those mother's hugs on holidays when you wish you were home and you're here with us instead. I know you're not real comfortable with us honoring you today, but you know what? It's scriptural. I went to the book of Thessalonians and saw that Paul said that we are to honor our leaders who work so hard for us and hold them in self-esteem. And that's exactly what we're doing for you today. And I wish both you and Carla a very happy 20th anniversary.
2: Ben. Man, I I just, I love you so much, Um, uh, your whole family, I hope all of your kids work for me someday, Uh, your wife too actually, everybody but you, Um, I I, I mean really, I I couldn't see doing this without you man, I love you, congratulations on 20 years, it's just incredible to see what God has done, can't wait to see what He is going to do, Mountain, you need to celebrate this guy because he is awesome. Ben, Ben, Ben. You have walked and talked through my backswing while golfing so many times that I have lost count. You have knocked me flat, rolling down the hill while snow skiing, playing
0: tag. And you've also kept me in the game in ministry for the past 15 years. As one of my closest friends, as one of my stinkling buddies, it's amazing how many lives I've watched God use you
2: to help transform for his kingdom.
0: You know, Mountain is just a better place in the kingdom of God because of you and because of all the work you've done over the last 20 years. And I thank you for that. And I say to you the same thing that the Lord said to the servant that was given the five talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Ben, I cannot wait to see what you will do in the next 20 years. Hi, Ben, this is Eddie Lowen. Congratulations on 20 years at Mountain Christian Church. I'm so glad for you and for Carla and for your kids, for your leaders and for your entire church to have this moment to celebrate you and your leadership ministry at that church. And I want you and your church to know that I and my church and many other leaders in churches look to you as examples. And we thank you for what you've done for all of us in the kingdom. Ben, I want you to know how much I admire you and appreciate you as a leader. You know that I've called you, sought your advice and your input and your support. I just wanna say in front of your entire church uh, that you are important to me and I know that you're important to a lot of other people. Uh, We love you, buddy. Congrats on 20 years.
1: Hello, Ben. This is a special day, 20 year anniversary. I think back to when you and your family moved to Mountain 20 years ago, Andrew would have been just a little infant. And that took my memory back to when our family first moved from Cincinnati to Minneapolis, where we would then be living very close to your Grandpa Kacheris then. And so he had a chance to get acquainted with you After he attempted this for a little while, he seemed quite perturbed. And he turned to us and he said, he doesn't talk. And I tried to reassure him by saying, well, Grandpa, Benny is only 18 months old. So we paused for a little bit. But then he declared, he will learn to talk. And he'll go up to preach the gospel. And we are thankful to God for how he has brought about that very prophecy. And we did want to also say our appreciation to all of you people, good people there at Mountain. We love you.
2: Amen. Carla and I are proud to celebrating with you the joys of 20 years of ministry together you very much. It's, uh, uh, it's quite an occasion, and I hope that you feel as we do that this is a good moment for the whole Mountain Church. Otherwise, we're going to feel really uncomfortable <laughs> with all this. But it is, it's, an, it's an important and good moment for the whole church to celebrate uh, what God has done over 20 years. Um, it has not been uh, all easy or fun, but it has been amazing, and it has been mostly Fun. And it's been a team effort uh, as a family and with the Mountain family as well. And so we could not be more privileged. We're the ones who are blessed to be a part of this and to have the privilege of serving the Lord Jesus, which is the greatest thing in the world, and to be able to do it together with people like you um, is just a, a privilege that there are no words to explain. You know we're very blessed at Mountain. We're very, very blessed. And uh, that's because God's favor has just shown up in so many unpredictable and beautiful ways. We're grateful to be part of it, and thank you. Thank you, whoever continues to lie and deceive and, and pull off these things um, without my knowing. And uh, thank you for you, knuckleheads, for driving eight hours and during final exam week to get here and surprise your pops. That means a lot. And you, you're already here, so you don't get any points. But... <laughs> All right, God bless. Thank you all very much.
0: Let me just say, i just say um, it's an honor for me to get to be the one, happen to get to be the one tonight to stand here with you guys and to uh, just to serve with all of you. Um, just love you so much, appreciate you so much. And I just want to say I kind of feel like a part of the Kacharis family partly because that's kind of how you guys roll with a lot of people, but partly because of all the times that you send a family text message and accidentally put me instead of Nathan (laughs) Kacharis. So I just want to say
2: thanks. (laughs) So uh, you knew about this, right? You knew about this? Yeah. Okay, so this time comes out of your sermon. Yeah, it does. It does. So get out
0: here. Clap for them. Clap for them while they go. All right. Yeah, whatever campus you're at, go ahead and clap again for those guys. We are, we are blessed to, have, to be led by Ben and the Kateris family. And they're a great example of what we're talking about today. Uh, we're in this series called Light. And today we're talking about reflecting the light. Reflect the light. And let, let's start with just, here's a good metaphor for us. For a, a Christian person, uh, think about the moon. All right, we've all seen the moon. Um, the real source of light, God is kind of like the sun, right? This powerful source of light that's generating you know, the the light. But then the moon is really just like a big rock, right? It's just floating around up there. But when, the, when it reflects the light from the sun, it can be so beautiful, right? It draws our gaze heavenward. It inspires us. And I, I just want to say that that is kind of like what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to be like the moon in that way. We, we're supposed to reflect the light. Uh, In order to illustrate this today, we decided uh, maybe what I ought to do is talk to you about a guy named John. Now, that doesn't really narrow it down. There's a lot of Johns out there, right? Did you notice Ben's dad's name? John. Uh, Raise your hand if you know a guy named John. Yeah. Okay. Keep your hand up if you are a guy named John, right? (laughs) Lots of them at every campus. I'm sure there's lots of hands in the air. Um, It is, actually looked it up, over the course of the last hundred years in this country, what do you think is the most popular, most Commonly given male first name. It is James, actually. It said, it said that John was a little less than 200,000 less than James, and I had a hard time believing that. I looked down the list, and it actually is John, because here's why there's no Jim, there's no Jimmy, but number 99 on the list, Johnny with over 300,000 that puts John in first place and then number 90 on the list was Juan which is just the Spanish equivalent of John so John actually does win sorry James is you're in second place um everybody knows there's a lot of famous Johns right all right we're gonna do this just for fun think of uh, a person a famous person named John first one that comes to your head when I say go turn to your neighbor and say it ready three two one go all right uh you just, we just learned something about each other, right? Depending on which one you chose. Uh, maybe, who'd you say? Did you say John Adams, John Boyega, John Carroll, John Cena, Elway, Harbaugh, Kennedy, John Legend, John Travolta, Johnny Unitas, John Wall, John Wayne? Here's the one. I was listening, first few rows. I'm sure this is true at every campus. The one that I definitely heard the most of was John Stamos, right? He's the one that you all said. Heard a lot of those. Um, I think that's Ben's Greek influence in our community. Um, heck, even the toilet is sometimes called John's, named after a guy named John. I got lots of people named John in my life. I, I did my seminary in Johnson, Son of John City, Tennessee. Last week I just flew with a group from Mountain in and out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. So, why is this name so widespread all over the world? I think it comes down to this because of two guys who were sort of like bookends on the earthly ministry of Jesus. Never thought about this before, but the ministry of Jesus is sort of ushered in and then carried out by, to, the, to the fullest in the Bible by a guy, a guy named John. Now, the second one on the tail end, he's named John the Apostle. Okay, He's one of the 12, the original 12 followers of Jesus, one of the authors of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He, um, he's, tradition says he's the only one of those 12 that lived to old age. That didn't die as a martyr. And uh, it's good that he did because he's the author of the book of Revelation, which continues to be, was and is an encouragement, a letter of encouragement to churches in some dark times about the ultimate victorious return of Christ to set the world right and be with us. But we're talking about, we're not gonna talk about him today, we're gonna talk about the other one who sort of leads into the ministry of Jesus. And he's known as, and we're gonna see some different images of him on the screen now. Um, known as John the Baptist, or a better, really a better translation is John the Baptizer. That's how they knew him. He's the guy who's always baptizing people. He's a guy who I think his life epitomizes what it means to reflect the light. He exemplifies for you and for me how we also are to live lives that reflect the light of God. The moon, what it really does is just points people to the sun. It's like, look over there. That's the source. And our lives, I believe, are designed to do that same thing, to reflect the light and to point people to God. This was true of of this guy, John the Baptizer, even from the womb. If you read the very first words of the Gospel of Luke, and I hope you will, before you get to chapter 2, that more familiar part where we we read the Christmas story, actually earlier in the Christmas story we learn about this guy, John. He's Jesus' cousin. He's another miracle baby who's born in really improbable circumstances, and and it says that his life is foretold in the prophecy of Isaiah that says he will prepare the way of the Lord. The long-awaited Messiah, the true king, the true prophet, the healer, the Savior was coming, and this guy John was given the special task of reflecting his light for all to see, being the first one to do that. So, These two cousins, they grew up. They became men of God. And the very first words then in the Gospel of Mark are also talking about John. It says John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. Repentance means turning away from bad stuff and turning toward God for the forgiveness of sins. And it says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem, they went out to him. Basically, this guy, he shined. Right? They saw some light in him, so they went to him, and it said they were confessing their sins. They were baptized, dunked in the water by him in the Jordan River. John uh, wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He was this kind of wild guy living out in the wilderness, and this was his message. He said, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you now with water, but he's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Basically, he's, he said, You guys think it's bright in the moonlight? Wait till the sun comes up. Wait until the sunrise. You're going to be blown away. And then one day it happens. We have another image from, from an artist who kind of depicts this moment. John is out there doing this thing, uh, baptizing people, calling them to repentance, and then Jesus walks on the scene. He's ready to launch his ministry. And John, he says, stop and look. He says, you know, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Look, there he is. This is the one. The Messiah we've been waiting hundreds of years for, he's here. He's arriving on the scene. And he's saying, any light that you see in me is really just a reflection from what he is bringing into the picture. John, even from the womb, he has this special calling on his life to reflect the light of Jesus. And I propose to you today that while the specifics will be different, obviously, that that same basic mission and calling is on your life and on my life if you're a follower of Jesus. I think that you and I and all, really all of us are called to reflect the light of Christ So, we're going to look now at the first words of John's gospel. The other John who wrote one of these gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, he too begins by talking about Jesus and then immediately about this guy, John the Baptizer. So, listen to this, and I think we'll have these on the screen. He says this In the beginning was the Word, and this capital W word, he's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And here's a verse we've heard several times already in this series. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And he says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So as we think about John as our example of what it means to reflect the light, I just want to focus in and walk back through just three verses Verses 6 through 8 here. So first it says, there was a man named John. There's a, a real guy uh, who had a name, just another one of all you Johns out there. And I love that in the Bible, uh, one of the things I love about God and how he tells his story in our world is he always just uses regular people. We're, we're not told anything about this guy having superpowers or even really special gifts or talents that we get to hear about. We just, he's just a guy, a man named John. And one of the other things I love about John's story is that there's, there's some times when he has some real doubts and fears. There's this one time when it's, it's looking pretty dark and he, he starts to doubt. He's like, Jesus, are you sure? Are you really the Messiah? Like I, I'm, I'm betting everything on this, and, but I mean, this is looking rough for me right now. And Jesus reassures him and he says, look at the healing, look at the, the things that are being done. He said, you just keep reflecting my light, John. And he does. He's just a regular guy. But one, of the, one thing maybe that was special about him, it says he was sent from God. And that, that in itself is not special. But here's what's special. He got it. He owned that. He, he chose to believe that he had a special mission and purpose and calling on his life. That he was sent from the almighty God. And, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, he had a little bit of an advantage, right? Like his parents were visited by an angel, you know, told he was coming, that he would have this task. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. John, he wasn't there. That was something God did in his parents' life. But they had to, just like any of us who are parents, they had to convey to him that his life was special, that he had purpose, right? They They had to try to get that across to him. And then he, just like any young person, he had to choose to believe it or not. Or to choose to believe some other story, some other narrative about his life and what it should be about. And so, somehow, he became convinced that his life was special and it had this meaning and purpose. And he had a mission to accomplish with it, sent from God. But sent to do what? Well, read on. It says he came to be a witness. All right, what's a witness? It's a courtroom term, right? Like it's, A witness is somebody that just sees something happen. Right? Firsthand, you saw it, you were there. And John knew Jesus. He had experience and history with him. He knew him and he trusted him. And so he came as a witness, and it says, to testify concerning the light, concerning Jesus. That word to testify in the original Greek is just the same, different form of the same word that we just read that was translated witness. Same word, uh, verb form. And So what does a witness do? A witness is someone who sees something happen, but then is called to what? To tell about it, right? To speak about it. To give an account. And again, this is the same for you, and it's the same for me. If you have, I want to say today, if you have seen, if you have come to know the living God, if you know Jesus, if you've had an encounter with him, if you walk with him and trust him, I just want to say, one You're blessed. That is such a blessing. You're blessed like Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zechariah. And you're blessed like those shepherds and those wise men. Blessed and highly favored to have had a real encounter with Jesus. And then two, I want to say this. if, If that's true of you, you're also sent. You're charged and commissioned. You are called and tasked with being a witness, with testifying, which means tell somebody, right? In other words, our lives, your life and mine, are designed to to witness, to see the light, and to testify, to share it, to tell about it with others. As the moon testifies to the light of the sun and its power, you and I are to do that same thing, with our words and actions. We are to be like John the baptizer who stops what he's doing and says, behold, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, look. It's amazing. He's amazing. And we have to work out individually what that always looks like, right? There's times when we need to do what we sing about this time of year. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Shout it from the rooftops. And then I also think that most of the time, what our witnessing and testifying should look like is what we read in one of my, one of my favorite little sections of Scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this. It says, But even if y'all should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And listen to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. In other words, if you're living your life following Jesus, it's gonna shine. There's gonna be a brightness to it. Someone's gonna notice, and then someone's gonna ask, they're gonna say, What is that about? And then you're gonna be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Your life that shines with hope. They ask and you tell about Jesus. You point them to the light. You reflect his light onto them. You know, um, speaking of suffering, as it mentions in that First Peter text, suffering for what's right. Some of you who, who do know John the baptizer's story, you're thinking maybe right now, hey, hey bud, you're uh, leaving out kind of a key part of the story. Uh, you probably need to tell the people about the part where he gets his head chopped off, right? He do, and he does. It's true. John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, after continually speaking truth to power, confronting evil, uh, he dies a very tragic and gruesome death, basically based off the, the whim of some evil people. And it's it's really sad. He died a martyr for the mission. He died for Jesus. It's interesting, the Greek word, we were just talking about the word that's translated as witness or as testify. It has another English translation. Um, the word, the Greek word is, if you were to say it in English, it sounds something like "martureo." Does that sound like any English words you recognize? The word is martyr. Uh, it's it's a, that's another translation of that same word. A martyr is someone who's so convinced and so committed to some, something or someone that they willingly suffered death. Rather than renounce their faith and their relationship. And it, to us in this culture, sometimes that's sort of a, kind of comes as a foreign concept, but I, I say that, o- that is only true to the degree that we have become disconnected with our brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters around the world who do daily face suffering and death for Jesus' name. As I mentioned uh, being in Puerto Rico. With a group from Mountain, we're going down, scouting out further opportunities to go down, take groups down, and serve. And we're gonna do that this year, next year, get ready. So we're gonna partner with this church, a cool church we got to be a part of, a lot like Mountain in a lot of ways. And their name is Catacumba, Catacumba Five. And that is just the Spanish word for catacombs. Okay, They named their church as a tribute to the martyrs in the catacombs of ancient Rome who preserved the faith and passed it along to us and who gave, many of them, many of them gave their lives rather than renounce their faith in Jesus. And uh, it's interesting, at, at this church, uh, one of the things they do when people join the church and say, I want to be a member of this local church, they, they have them sign this document, and part of what the document says is, I am willing to die for Jesus. You know, you guys are about to start uh, looking a lot more closely, like looking for the fine print on that Welcome to Mountain booklet, right? It's like, (laughs) wait a second. That's what a martyr is, a witness. And it says that that's how John came, as a witness to testify about the light. And then it says, so that and i just want i want to highlight that anytime you're reading the bible and you see this phrase pay extra attention because when it says so that then there's a point and an application coming soon after and it says this so that through him all might believe all might believe in jesus the light of the world that they would that everyone would see the light would trust and obey and follow and make Messiah Jesus, the Lord of their life. And then it just kind of reiterates, he says, again, he himself was not the light, not John. He came only as a witness to the light, only. The most important thing. That was his priority, and everything else in his life took a back seat and got in line behind his, his relationship and his faith in Jesus. And I got to say, when I read the scriptures, that is true of us as well our careers, our hobbies, our families, our finances, our personal goals and ambitions, right? Our legacy, it all is supposed to take a backseat to our primary task of following and honoring Jesus and reflecting his light to others. That comes first. One of the most famous lines ever uttered by John the Baptizer uh, it was it comes in John three thirty and uh, he was again testifying he was telling people he was pointing toward Jesus, he was reflecting the light, and they 're like, Wow, you the man john right you 're you're, you're shining pretty bright and he 's like, no, you don 't get it i 'm not shining i 'm just reflecting the light he 's the man, Jesus is the light, and he describes himself in this in the same text as like a groomsman. You ever been a part of a wedding, right? What is, what is the job of the groom's men? What are they do, there to do? Get the groom in a position to do his job. Like, do whatever it takes, right? Make sure he's there and ready to do, play his very, very important role. And John says, I'm like that, but Jesus Christ is the groom in this situation, right? And then he goes on to say this amazing, these amazing words. He says this, he must become more, I must become less. He must increase, I must decrease. Any of you guys seen the new Pixar movie Coco yet? Yeah, it's it's uh, in, in my opinion it's just visually just stunning and, and really really beautiful on many levels. Um, it's it talks about family, about music, about the spiritual world. I think there's stuff in there about the hope of heaven. And if you know my family story at all. Uh, when we saw Pixar plus Mexico, I mean we were in they had us at Ola right um, and I did I thought it was really great, but and I think this i'm i 'm not going to spoil anything here, but I think what 's going to happen when you see that movie is you 're going to walk out of it like I did, thinking and singing, remember me right it's, it 's remember me it 's about keeping the legacies. Uh, of our loved ones alive through memories and stories, and, and that's good and important. But I got some some good news and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Yes, it's always the bad news first. I don't understand you if you're one of those people that says, give me the good news first. I don't get that at all. Always the bad news first. So here it is. The bad news is that Coco and the story, many, many of the stories and narratives that we kind of live out in our world, they have limited vision. Because here's the spoiler alert. Eventually, everyone in this world, we will all be forgotten in this world. Eventually, even the shiniest human legacy will fade. No candle can burn forever. But here's the good news, is that there is a higher calling on our lives that counterintuitively actually lets us be a part of what is eternal, the true light that never fades. It's the way that our lives actually do... Becomes significant is when we attach ourselves to him, when we reflect the light of Jesus, just like John did. You know, Jesus is the one who said, whoever tries to keep their life, to hold it, to grasp it, to cling to it, to extend it, to preserve it, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life willingly for my sake will preserve it eternally. Now, I was thinking about John the baptizer, and I was thinking about this, I began to think about this other guy that I bet none of you have ever heard of, unless maybe you've been in a group with Tom Moen, our local pastor slash drummer. Now, maybe if I say the name Hudson Taylor, that might ring a bell with some of you, kind of a well-known missionary. Uh, He he led the work uh, a couple hundred years ago into inner China, inland China. And some people would know Hudson Taylor's name, but do you know the name of the man who succeeded him in leadership of that ministry? Honestly, as I was preparing this, I couldn't even remember his name, but I remembered this quote about him. I had to asked Tom to remind me of his name. But here's, this, here's, here's what was said about him as one of his co workers reflected on his humble leadership and just his clear calling and passion in life to be like John the Baptizer, to call people to repentance, to call people to prepare the way of the Lord. To, call, to, to tell people in China, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is what was said about this man, D.E. Host, or Hosty. I'm not sure the right way to say it. Um, this is what was said of him. He said, he lived to be forgotten in order that Christ might be remembered. That's amazing. That is That is what it's about. That's how an individual life actually comes to have real and lasting and eternal significance. I want to challenge you. If you're continuing to make your life about you, point people toward Jesus instead. I want to say, if you are busily trying to generate your own light, one, isn't it exhausting? And two, it's a futile effort. It will eventually get you nowhere, but what will get you somewhere is choosing to reflect the light of Jesus. To illustrate this, kind of a little mini version of that moon, I, I uh, swiped this little makeup mirror from one of my daughters. Okay, And uh, maybe you have one. If you have one in your purse or even your phone, you can kind of get it out and, and play along. Uh, we're going we're gonna to bring the house lights down, and I'm just going to give some practical advice right now. On what it means for us to reflect the light, you see it, so so look, I can oh, yep, yeah, wake some people up, woke that guy up, check this out, woo, how do you like that? We're gonna get some comment cards about that, so it's all right, so here's the deal: You and I are like this little mirror, okay, and the first thing you gotta do is you gotta find the light source. you gotta realize that. One, that you're not the light source. Get over yourself. And two, realize that there is light. God is real and don't despair. And you got to look up. You got to turn toward the light. If you just have, if you're just closed, if you always got your back turned to God, you're not going to find the light. But I believe every human heart is searching for the light. We are longing for it. Uh, long lay the world in sin and error, pining, yearning. We feel that at Christmas, don't we? And we believe, those of us who who call ourselves Christians, we believe we've found it. The true light that has come into the world. His name is Jesus. And if you're here and you haven't yet, you're so close. You're in the right place. He's right under your nose. And he's not hiding from you. He wants to be found. So behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Find the source, right? And the next thing you have to do is orient yourself toward the light source, right? You have to turn your life and face the source. You can't reflect the light if you're just closed. You gotta slow down, you know? You're not gonna reflect the light if you're spinning a 1,000 miles an hour. You gotta open up. John, the baptizer, he, he went into the wilderness, wasn't just because he liked eating grasshoppers. He was creating space, as many others have done, and as we have to find ways to do. He was saying no to lots of things, sometimes good things, in order to say yes to the best things. He was getting quiet. John, you know, he was weird. He was considered weird and strange. Anybody ever say that about you because of your faith? He was able to receive light, like the moon. He was in a position to do that. We're really bad at receiving gifts a lot of times. And at Christmas, one of the things we got to learn is to just turn and receive the grace gifts of our God. So we find the light source, we locate it, we orient ourselves toward it, and then we got to reflect it into the dark places. You know, it's interesting if I do this, just a little little tiny movements, I can send this thing, I can aim it all over the place, right? With the little little shifts, I can reflect the light into dark places. What are the dark places in your life? Uh, Here's one, political discourse these days. Maybe you got a broken family or a toxic work environment or something's going on in your school or you work in the cancer ward or you have a friend group that's kind of fostering some negativity or sinful habits or or social media or whatever it is. This comes back to that part that says we are sent, sent from God. We have a calling and a vocation to reflect the light, To, to, to find those dark places and to usher in and to welcome and to introduce Jesus into the situation, reflect the light. And we can all do this. I just threw it out on Facebook this past week, a couple of weeks ago. Tell me about someone in your life who's pointed you toward God. And oh my goodness at the responses. You guys said, you know, as a church leader, uh, a church leader who he or she showed me that, that they're just a normal person I could relate to. Or uh, a pastor who stuck around 20 years and made this his home. Or my son or my daughter or my aunt or my uncle who lived out their faith before me. Uh, someone who dared to invite me and invite me and invite me to church. And it wasn't guilt trippy or pressure, but they, they kept inviting and they brought me to church and I finally came with them. Someone who showed me that studying the Bible, I, I went to a mid-sized group and my table leader was just like, they, they made me comfortable and see that studying the Bible wasn't scary. My grandma who prayed with me, my grandpa who told me Bible stories, right? Some, some married couple who lived out real forgiveness And love before me. Some single person in my life who showed me what it meant to put God first. Some small group of Christian people who just did life together on a deep level and served and made a difference in their community. You guys said all these things like this. Some little child who gives me hope. These are the things that we can and must do for one another and for the world, for the people who are wandering in darkness. This is what we do. We send the light their way, right? And you know what's amazing when we do this together? Like if we need to get light around a corner, let's say I need to get light on the back side of this TV. I just, you know, bounce it to you, you bounce it to someone over here, they bounce it around and we, we can put light anywhere when we work together. You know what else? When we get together with all our little mirrors and we get them together in this thing called the church, it's like a disco ball, right? We're sending light everywhere. And in the best sense of the word, it is attractive and fun, And it draws people to us, but really, then they get to us and we just go, no, 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 it's really God. There's the source, right? That's what we're about. And as we do it, we can begin to see change and we begin to see the kingdom of God, of his love and life and light come on earth as it is on heaven. And, you know, John's entire life was oriented in this way, pointing toward the true light of Jesus. And so that's where we're going to land Uh, With this sermon as well, squarely focused on Jesus. I think if John the baptizer were around, were able to somehow walk out here and stand next to me today, he would say, Dude, about time. Stop talking about me and tell them about Jesus. And so as we head into our time of communion, and I just want to cue the servers at every campus to go ahead and begin to take your place. Everything we do at Mountain, we want it to be squarely focused on Jesus, on his life and his teachings. On his example and his sacrificial death and then his victorious resurrection and his continued reign in our lives. That's what we do as we remember him now through these elements, through the bread and the cup. Remember his body and his blood. And I just want to invite you. This is a moment to listen to what God would say. Maybe it's a moment to do some of the things that John called us to, to repent, to turn back to God, to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, let loving hearts prepare him room. Or maybe it's time to just sit and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Fall on your knees. Whatever it is you need to do in these moments, do that work with God. You're invited now. Uh, and let me pray us into that moment. Let's pray. Loving God, God of light and life and love, thank you for sending Christ the light of the world. Thank you for all those from John, the baptizer, down through the years who have reflected your light into the dark places, even into our lives. And God, I ask that you would just continue to do your good work. Come now afresh and anew among us. Come this Christmas, Lord, and even right now in these moments as we remember Jesus, the light of the world, and who